0: Welcome to Talking with Tech. My name is Chris Bougay and I am here as always with Rachel Madel. I guess not as always, Rachel, but usually.
1: usually. I know. Well, the last couple of times, it hasn't been as always, right? <laughs> so but back. today,
0: yeah, today you're back. So uh, welcome back.
1: Thank you. Chris, I have a really big surprise for you. Oh my gosh. What is the big surprise? I'm so excited. I'm going to show you. Come down so you can see yourself.
2: Oh, it's mom.
3: Yes. Hi, mom. So everyone can hear you. Hi. I've heard so much about you. And she's our biggest. She's our biggest
1: talking with Tech fan on air right now. Absolutely. I believe it. I know. So I was like, this is going to be a perfect surprise because we've talked about you a lot on the podcast, mom. Yes, and I've heard a lot about you, also, Chris. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, well,
0: do you remember that time that I was driving through Pennsylvania and I stopped and had uh, lunch and tea with you? <laughs> At least I, I told <laughs> yeah, Rachel I did. And I was oh, like, what? absolutely.
3: <laughs> Saw a couple of bunnies go by.
0: Because the truth is, really, I don't live that far from you. I go to Philadelphia all the time. Um, oh. My family goes to Hershey in the summertime, you know, uh, constantly I'm driving by going, hmm, I bet you they could stop by and see Rachel's yeah.
1: mom. Lancaster well, County, PA. <laughs> <laughs> I know, we're going to try to coordinate something for the holidays.
0: Definitely, maybe we get to meet you in person. Oh, that would be great.
3: That would be great. So what are you doing in L.A.? Are you here visiting. I came to visit my favorite person. My <laughs> biggest fan. I'm the biggest fan. So. She is. She's definitely the biggest fan. Always have been. Gotten her too thick and thin.
0: So did you just get in? Because I know that uh, Rachel was in Orlando. I mean, we're recording this right after the American Speech and Hearing Association conference. And
3: I know that Rachel was there. I know. And I've been watching all the videos. They have been great.
1: She was watching us live from Asha. All the live streams she was watching on Instagram and
3: Facebook. You you are the biggest fan. You have no idea. You really don't, Chris. She watches my every move on social media.
1: (laughs) So I actually, I have a crazy story to share about my mom being here. So yesterday I flew home from Orlando and I was so excited. So Asha ended on Saturday night. Yesterday was Sunday, today is Monday. So I was so excited because my mom was flying from Philadelphia. I was flying from Orlando and we were intended just to land at LAX within 10 minutes of each other. I'm like, this is perfect. I love efficiency. I love, you know, maximizing time. And I was so excited. I was telling everybody at ASHA, tomorrow my mom's gonna be landing in LA the same time I am. She comes to visit me every year for Thanksgiving, Chris. I woke up at 7.45 in a state of panic. I had missed my flight.
0: <laughs> oh, you're kidding me.
1: <laughs> no, I'm not kidding. I was, I was in an ASHA coma, apparently, and just like did not, I had three alarms set to go off, like 5, 5.15, 5.30, none of them went off.
3: And I get an emergency texts.
1: SOS, <laughs> and she actually was in the air. So I woke up, saw that it was light out, realized, oh no, like it's not supposed to be light when I wake up for the airport. And so I knew that it was bad. I looked at the, the time. my My flight was literally pulling out of the airport, and it was like we're all. Set. I got a text message from Delta. We're all set to go. Uh, got a text message from my mom. Can't wait to see you soon, sweetie. <laughs> and so I sent her like a boatload of text messages saying like. I'm not going to be there. I'm so sorry. I need to figure something else out.
3: <laughs> it was all good. It all worked out.
0: I was going to say, what did you do? So you must've got another flight and mom, oh. what did you do? Did you hang at the airport or did you take but, a uh, lift no, 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 no!
3: I had instructions, precise instructions on how to get to Rachel's place. I know I was like sending
1: her Marco Polo's because it's not as simple as you get out of the airport and you go find a taxi. Now at LAX, they have a certain area where you have to go to get a taxi or an Uber or Lyft. Um, And then once you get to my apartment, there's like this keypad that she didn't know about because the last time she was here, it was just a a standard key. So there are a lot of uh, things I need to, I needed to walk through with her.
3: But like I said, it all worked out, hung out on my favorite place. Or patio, patio, um, which needs a lot of work. <laughs>
1: These are our horticulture, I'm specialist. Her
3: annual gardener that comes in. True, she is.
1: And I always say, Mom, I need plants with less maintenance. I, I'm, I'm not as attentive as you are to the
3: garden. The cactus. Exactly. <laughs>
2: That's what I
3: told her. That is what I told her. Oh well, I'm going to bug out of here. I need to get another cup of coffee. Like mother, like daughter. Oh, right.
0: It's only, it's only 9.15 in the morning there. Oh, yes.
3: And coffee wasn't good on the airplane. No. It's never good on the airplane. No. So, in fact, that's what I did at the airport. When I got off the plane, I knew I had time. I went to the closest Starbucks, and I said, oh, coffee, please. <laughs> <laughs> so, on that note, you have a good wait, podcast. Wait, wait, when do you head back? When's, how long is your visit? Oh, Friday I leave. Black Friday. And that's
1: our that's our set. She usually
3: comes on Sunday and then stays
1: until Friday. We we spend Thanksgiving now. It's a tradition. Yes, we stay in our pajamas. We get Whole Foods <laughs> and we watch movies.
0: <laughs> oh, fantastic! fantastic. Just the two of you.
1: Yeah, just great. the two of us. Yes. I know not n- all of our other families on the East Coast doing you know traditional Thanksgiving, and we just decided to.
0: Hang.
3: Just to hang. Yeah. We do that the best.
0: <laughs> it's true. That's so great. And then you're getting together for um the winter break too, right? I mean, you're going back to Philadelphia well, to Lancaster.
1: Yes. I fly back on December nineteenth. So I'll be back for the holidays. Awesome.
0: Well, enjoy your time together. Have fun. Uh fix up those plants. And uh we'll talk to you
3: soon. I'm so good. This is a great, great surprise Hi, to get oh, to chat. With you. Great, great seeing you. I put the face with the name. So <laughs> all right. Out of here. Right, Bye.
1: <laughs> I thought you were that, Chris. Oh my God, she's the best. <laughs> I know, she really is. And I mean, I know we talked on the podcast when she when I woke up one morning and I saw Malia Madel is requesting to join Talking with Tech Facebook group. Um, and I said, Oh, here we go. <laughs> this could be dangerous.
0: <laughs> no, that is so great. So so when did you get in exactly when you had to reschedule your flight?
1: So actually I got the last seat because Orlando's crazy, as you know. There's mm. not, you know, just ASHA going on at Orlando. There were all types of conventions going on in the convention center. So most conferences end on Saturday or Sunday. And so the airports are crazy. So I was lucky enough to get a flight at that left at 1145. My original flight was supposed to leave at 745. So I ended up getting into LA around three o'clock, which wasn't so bad.
0: That's not too bad. Yeah. 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 Okay. And you got to sleep in. I mean win win. True. I was like Mom got coffee. I know,
1: right? I like I honestly I think it was just I was so tired. Asha was amazing. I loved every second of it, but I was nonstop. I was like a little tornado around that convention center, seeing, you know, all of our listeners, all of the presenters, recording tons of interviews for the podcast. So by the time it was all said and done, I think I was just sleep deprived. And my body was like, no, I don't want you to wake up at five.
0: (laughs) Not to mention the time change. I mean, it's not easy to go for the, you know, that three hour time change is a big deal.
1: Well, especially because I'm still not recovered from Asia. So my jet lag, my body's like, where are we now, Rachel? Now I'm back on the West coast. Like, of course I woke up at 5am this morning.
0: (laughs) And well, you're back here on the West coast or you're back on the West coast for a month, but then you head back
1: east so that is another so what's crazy is that next weekend i have to go to philly just for three days for a wedding so i'm going to philly coming back to la and then going back to philly it's just like it's been bananas
0: all right, I'm sure everyone's you know waited with bated breath about Asha. You sent me a few Marco Polos. We were in uh, constant contact there. Thank you for keeping me. That totally helped uh, satiate my FOMO, fear of missing out. Um, so thank you. It felt like I was there with you a little bit, and and so I really, really, really appreciate that. But for those that uh, were were not there, who were uh, hashtag not at Asha, um, what what was it like? What was it all about? What What'd you learn? Tell us everything.
1: It was awesome, Chris. I feel like Every ASHA is just a little bit different. And this ASHA, I feel like my takeaway was I had the opportunity to actually connect with people outside of AAC, which, you know, of course, I love my AAC people. And I know you're all listening to this podcast. Um, So thank you guys for those of you who went to ASHA and and found me. Um, But what was really nice was to Educate people who don't know about AAC actually, so I connected with a lot of the SLP bloggers um, and it was so cool because everyone you know said oh my gosh like I have an AAC question Right. So it's like, oh my gosh, I have, can I just talk with you with, for five minutes? And everyone had a different question about a different device system problem that I could troubleshoot. And so it was really fun to connect with clinicians who, you know, maybe AAC isn't their primary focus, but they're really interested and eager to learn about AAC. So for me, that was the biggest takeaway. I also, you know, connected with some other people who do work with adults, Other clinicians who are, um, you know, OT and speech therapists, I met somebody who was presenting on regulation and the overlap between our uh, scope of practice. You know, oftentimes when it comes to sensory stuff, we think, oh, that's OT, right? That's OT, like that's not my scope. Um, And so her presentation was all about how we can start integrating the scope um, a, a sensory processing, how important you know this is for children who, um, you know, need to be ready to learn. How can we start incorporating these strategies? How can we learn more about it? How do we know when to refer out um, and what strategies that we can start utilizing in our sessions? So that was really interesting. Um, it was just a lot of really great connections that I made with, with lots of different kinds of people.
0: So how did you attack ASHA this year? Because I know there was time spent at the Exceptional Ed booth. And like you said, you went to some sessions. You were presenting sessions. Do you sit down and pre-plan it? How does, uh, what's, your, what's your game plan?
1: I was like a chicken with my head cut off. That's, that's, that was my game plan. It was, I was on the no game plan plan. <laughs> so I, you know, oftentimes when I had a free moment, I was at the Exceptional Ed booth a lot. That's because I was you know, corralling everybody that I saw who I knew was presenting on AAC to come to the booth. A lot of clinicians who I have known through either social media or because they've been on the podcast, I wanted to meet them in real life. And so oftentimes I would leave the Xed booth and I would be getting text messages from all the other people at the booth. There's people here waiting for you, Rachel. When are you coming back? You know, so-and-so's here. Uh, you know, this group of students want to meet you. And so I was kind of running around. I was trying to, you know, connect with all of the people in the uh, exhibit hall who I know from year to year, who I see at Asha. Um, but it was just, it was kind of craziness. I got to see some of the poster sessions, which was amazing because all of the poster sessions that I went to. I would introduce myself. You know, oh, thank you. Like, my name's Rachel. And everyone, everyone at the AAC posters were like, I know who you are. <laughs> Which made me feel so great that people are listening to this podcast.
0: Yeah. Don't you get the impression that there's the... um A lot of people who listen are students that are in a undergrad or graduate class and that uh, the world has evolved from studying textbooks to now still using textbooks, but uh, having other modalities for gaining information like this podcast, you know, it's amazing, right?
1: It's amazing. I can't tell you how many professors came up to me and said, I have my students listen to your podcast. Mm -hmm. And so that was the most exciting for me. Of course, we have people who listen who just like eat, live, and breathe AAC, which I love. Um, You know, they know all of the big names in AAC. They can cite every research article. Um, We have those listeners listening right now. But we also have a new group of clinicians. That are learning about AAC. And that's what makes me most excited is because it feels like we really have an opportunity to teach, right? And change the way that clinicians are thinking about AAC and using AAC. And so that's what's so exciting to me is that we're really making an impact with either pre-service or CFY clinicians. So
0: it's funny you say that because while you were at ASHA for the first day, I was at the Access to Education Conference, which is in Indianapolis. And when I flew in and I got there, a bunch of the presenters were kind of just hanging around the lobby, um, you know, right outside. There's like a, a bar area and uh, so i was like oh chris you know it's all these people that i present with and and see at, at various conferences in the assistive technology world and one of the pers- one of the people that works at Patents, which is the organization that puts on this conference her name is sandy and mm-hmm. sandy said oh oh chris 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 can you can you do me a favor my daughter loves talking with tech she loves listening and she didn't believe that you were actually going to be here would you mind if we got a picture or if we facetime like yeah throw facetime up let's say hi to her so uh, Courtney, big listener, she is in her first year of practice as a speech therapist working at Easter Seals. And so I feel like it just falls right in line with our conversation is that this the new generation is listening and learning and soaking up the information. So so hi, Courtney, and all the other students out there listening and all the other first years listening and all the other second years listening and everyone else who's new. Thank you. Thank you for listening.
1: Well, we actually had an episode where you interviewed four students. Do you remember mm-hmm. that episode? I Was that do. Ago? Was it like a year ago? Yeah,
0: maybe. Yeah.
1: Those students found me, Chris. They, <laughs> they did, and they said, "We're the students that Chris interviewed on the podcast." <laughs> and so I took a picture with them. Um, I'll have to send it to you. Uh, there were so many. There were so many photos taken. My my cheeks were like hurting from smiling so much. <laughs>
0: Now, you said that you recorded a bunch of interviews, and so how did that go? Like full-length interviews, shorter interviews, both? What's what's the deal?
1: Just some bite-sized interviews. I was really interested in a lot of different kinds of people, right? So you know, over the next week or so, I don't know how many episodes we're going to, we're going to extend this over because I was working my little tail off. I did so many interviews um, over the course of three days, but some of the interviews are presenters, people who are presenting on AAC, some of the uh, interviews were app developers um, and people who are, you know, creating products and apps for AAC. Some were just some of our biggest fans who wanted to come on and just talk about their experience at ASHA and how much they love the podcast. Um, so it's a it's a nice little mix of lots of little interviews that you're going to hear over the next couple weeks. Um, so I'm really excited to to share all of those with you guys, and um, hopefully, if you weren't able to go to ASHA you'll be able to feel like you were at ASHA.
0: Great, I can't wait to listen. So without further ado, let's have a listen to some of Rachel's interviews at ASHA 2019.
1: Welcome to Talking We Tech. I'm here with Lindsay Lobdell and Bree Norton. Hey, ladies. How are you today? We're
4: good. Do- How good? are you?
1: We are, we are live at ASHA, which is super exciting. We're in the exhibit hall, which is kind of crazy. It's really crazy. Very busy. But happy to be here. I want to hear all about your guys' work.
5: Uh, We are, and I'm in a private practice setting, and Bree works in the public schools, and we are focusing on improving outcomes through uh, effective collaboration. Amazing.
4: So we're so excited that we get to present at ASHA this year. I love it. So we came together, and we're being sponsored by the Center of AAC and Autism, (gasps) so that was really, really exciting. That's huge.
1: Yeah. I love that. So what were some, some gems of wisdom during your talk? Did you guys already present? It's, it's actually tomorrow. Oh, oh, what time? At 5 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, I'm presenting tomorrow at 5 o'clock. Well, I'm so sad that I can't be at your talk because I'll be talking myself. But just give us a sneak preview. What are some gems that you're going to drop during your presentation? What are like, some like, one or two like nuggets of wisdom?
4: So I think through our collaboration, which has been happening for the past three, four years, we have found that there's four foundational components that people can implement to help ensure authentic communication for kids across all environments so we're excited to share those those four foundational components and also how they're such a game changer in making progress for these kids.
5: So essentially we're we're focused on um, improved team um, communication um, for that, just to kind of promote a collaborative environment um, and then training as well as support and um, lastly culture. And that's kind of where we've really seen the, the, the pervasive improvements of our students um, by putting all four of those in place and then the culture is where we really saw it kind of explore and when you say culture, like, give me
1: some like tangible ideas as to how you can facilitate culture.
4: So we're really trying to make AAC access- accessible for all. So it's not just for our AAC users, but for all communication partners and all kids. So in the school setting, like, we have AAC devices projected on smart boards. So our general education kids are communicating with that AAC device. Love. And I know Lindsay's doing some stuff too to really build that culture in her clinic.
5: Um, so, interdisciplinary support, um, improved continuity of care from not only between public and private, but between um, other therapy providers, including you know ABA programs and other other support professionals that are involved with our complex communicators.
1: I love that. I love that. I actually, just. This is going to be a whole nother episode, but I had some Uber trouble this morning. I'm staying in an Airbnb, which was a mistake. I should definitely be staying at the Hyatt so I could just get up and walk across the street. <laughs> right. Um, but I had some Uber challenges this morning, and I ended up getting into an Uber with another speech-language pathologist. She's like, oh, I see your badge. You're going to ASHA. Come with me. I get in the car, and she starts talking about AAC. She's from Australia, and we got chatting. She's actually gonna come on the podcast, which is hilarious, but she was talking about uh, the infrastructure they're putting into place as far as community-based, low-tech AAC. So she gave the example of the train, and in Australia, in her specific neck of the woods, she um, has helped implement low-tech, Boards on the, you know, when you purchase your tickets. uh, All of the train conductors have uh, visuals in their pocket. All for people who have complex communication needs. Um, So when you said culture, I was like, ah. Culture is fresh on my mind because I just met this wonderful speech language pathologist in my Uber. And I'm so excited. I was like, you have to come on my
5: podcast. (laughs) I'm I'm actually really glad that you mentioned low tech. Um, I feel like that has has been also a key thing uh, as far as like our culture Um, and that when when people say AAC, right, in air quotes, um, a lot of times what they're talking (laughs) about is um, high tech. Yes. And, agreed. And and I feel like there's there's this um, kind of prosthetic piece that gets put in between us, and that if we if we don't forget low tech and we can embrace low tech as also being um, almost pivotal to supporting our users, in that you know they can still have a high tech device, but yes. we can improve the overall accessibility by also having other low tech supports in place. And the other thing is. All of the students exactly. benefit, right? right? All of the students benefit from
1: those types of supports. Um, so how can we start integrating more of that? And and I also think that kind of feeds the culture piece. If it's commonplace, right, in all of the classrooms, and um, all of the settings, then it's more accepted. Naturally. Yeah, it's not
5: it's not as big of a deal. I mean, it's a big deal, right? But it's not. It doesn't have to be this laborious, kind right. of cumbersome thing that's in the way of communication. Mm-hmm. It's almost like facilitating the communication rather than feeling like this foreign thing that people don't know what it's to do with. It's just another
4: type of voice, yeah.
5: Exactly.
1: Well, ladies, thank you so much for stopping by. I'm so happy to hear all of your experience and your wisdom. I'm Sorry. sad I'm not going to make your talk tomorrow. I know. Do
4: the same, yeah. I'll give you
1: a shout out during my talk. Awesome. We'll uh, right same. back at you. Awesome. <laughs> Thanks for having us. Thank of you. course. Welcome to Talking We Tech. I'm here with Maria Katsonis. Maria, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I am so good.
6: So, Maria has an amazing podcast SLP's Wine and Cheese. That's right. It's. Deborah Brooks, and I, Maria Katsonas, and we are the co-hosts of the show, and we've had this show for about a year and a half now, and it's just been exciting, and uh, I feel like it goes along with the theme this year of ASHA, ASHA Imaginologists, Imagine, Right. I never imagined to be on a podcast like I don't know about you, Rachel, but I, you know,
1: what's funny is that I never in a million years if someone was like, you're going to host a podcast about AAC. I'd be like, nah, you got the wrong, Rachel. Exactly. <laughs> so it's funny how these things kind of just like, you know, we go down a certain path and then, you know, two years later, you've been hosting a podcast. for. Two I know. Years.
6: Sometimes I forget myself. I know. Really, Deb, I have to give it to her. She's the one who kind of thought of the idea, and she asked me. She just, like, randomly texted me and was like, hey, do you want to be on this podcast with me? And I was like, really? And I'm like, why me? me? (laughs) Yeah, me? And she's like, yeah, you're an SLP. We know each other. And uh, she wanted it to be light and entertaining and fun. And apparently I embody that, which I didn't really know. So I'm learning things about the podcast industry itself, but also even about myself. Yeah. So it's great. Exactly. And I really love your podcast because it's just kind
1: of, it's very lighthearted. It's super funny. Thank you. And so I feel like that's what you, that's kind of what you guys both, you know, on the podcast, but also in real life, you guys are really uh, a lot of fun and super, super great energy. So awesome. it definitely translates on the
6: podcast. Yes, I, I'm glad that it does because that is what's happening. Like Deb and I, we're great friends. You know, she just asked me last week to be a bridesmaid. Aww. You know, she just so you know we've as a result of the podcast, her and I have become like really great friends. So it's just all positive things coming from it, and I'm like just so honored to be on the show and. That it's even happening, I'm like, yeah, this exactly. Is Let's keep it going.
1: Well, it's just so fun because, first of all, podcasting has really taken off. So everybody is listening to podcasts all day long, and it's so cool within our field to see all of these, you know, new and interesting podcasts pop up um, because it's really a way for us clinicians to come together, to connect, to make us feel like we're not alone. Because a lot of times, you know, clinicians work in school districts or they work in private practice and we're kind of like in a silo doing our own thing. And so what I love about podcasting is that I'm able to, you know, listen to your podcast and all the other amazing SLP podcasts. And I'm like, I'm not
6: alone. Like they're going through the same thing that I'm going through. Yeah, exactly. That sense of community, which is really important. And you might not really have that face to face whatever your situation is so when you could just hear it and on the go too the convenience aspect yeah I was just telling uh, a listener I was like I listen when I fold my clothes you know like to different podcasts so it's like yeah I'm doing something but I'm also like gaining a lot of information too so you're like learning at the same time, which I feel like we all love to learn, right? We wouldn't be at ASHA if you didn't love to learn. It's like, true. come on, it's true. And let's
1: make it more efficient. What I love the most about podcasts is that you can do two times the speed. So oh gosh, I don't
6: know how you do. My brother does that. I'm, I'm like, su- what, I'm what super are we doing intense here? about it. Yeah, I don't know how you do that. I'm like, I feel like I can't even think let alone understand what they're even saying. I'm like, is this a different language here? I'm like lost. I'm like, I don't know who these people are who could listen times to, but you guys have like superhuman brains. But I know. So honestly. I do not. I do not have a superhuman brain. Well, maybe one and a half. One and a half, you know, Maria? I've tried one and a half, and I'm like, you know, I'm not that much in a rush. Let me just tone it down a half. <laughs> Take it down a notch. Take it down a half of a notch and just do it on one. Because I don't want to miss it, I guess. But can you tell me how you're able to comprehend that... You know,
1: I don't, I, I'm not quite sure. And I have to say, sometimes it gets a little intense. Yes. So I have to be, it depends what I'm doing. If I'm kind of multitasking and my brain can't completely focus, I can't do double time. And honestly, for some people, they already naturally talk fast. And so like double time is just like, sounds like a chipmunk. And yes. so you know, then I have to, you know, take it down a notch, take it down a half notch. Right. I hardly ever listen at one. Wow. I'm usually at one and a half. And
6: Superhuman brain, Rachel. That's what to call you. Two.
1: Yes. Um, but yeah. I was, uh, I just lost my train. I thought I was going to say something. And so now I'm sorry I like, interrupted. Ah, no, See, it's tr- I don't
6: have a superhuman brain. See, this is what we do. It's totally fine. <laughs> oh, I was
1: going to ask a question. You were saying so that
6: sometimes, I'll get you back there. Sometimes it sounds like a chipmunk. You got me, girl.
1: So what's funny is that we have an amazing audio editor. Her name is Michaela. And she actually has to tone down my, my speed. So, I am a fast talker, and I can tell when I listen to our podcast back, I'm like, I definitely didn't say it that slow.
6: <laughs> I was going to say, I don't think you are that quick of a talker, but that's because I, they have adjusted your speed, and I had no idea. See? Well,
1: what's interesting about my rate of speech, if we're going to deep dive, because that's what SLPs do. Let's do it. I'm diving. What's interesting is that when I'm in conversation it's different than if I'm excited and I'm talking about something. So a lot of times on our podcast, we talk and deep dive about AAC and all these things and then I start getting really excited. Yes. And then I start talking faster.
6: Yes, because you're passionate about exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah, and it shows through. Yeah, yeah your so, passion shows in your voice. But
1: it's funny because I know, I know that she's doing some, some editing because I'm like, I definitely don't talk that slow. It's, it almost sounds weird to me to hear myself talk slow.
6: Right. But it's important to remember that, you know, you got to give the audience some time to think about it and process it, you know. Exactly. Some other people like myself, we need it a little little casual. Slow you know? it down a little Slow bit. Slow down. That's I, and That's uh, something I talk about on our show, SLPs Wine and Cheese, to so just scale it down, you know, and I think, and I, I really do know that, like, SLPs, we're always coming from a good place and we want to do so much and it can be overwhelming sometimes and, and you know, it's like... It's a marathon, not a sprint. You gotta just slow it down and tackle one thing at a time within the session, let alone in the long term. Yep. So it's just good advice. It is. And honestly, it's
1: I'm a fast-paced person. Yes. And so I need reminders to slow it down. So I think it sounds like I need to listen to your podcast yes. more. Some at, wine, you at, know. The exactly. wine will so
6: definitely slow it all down. <laughs> right. Tip it back, nice little slow sip, you know, and smell the wine, enjoy it. Exactly, savor it. Savor that wine.
1: (laughs) Yes. Well, Maria, thank you so much for coming on and hopping on this podcast recording today. If you guys haven't listened, SLP Wine and Cheese, it's an amazing podcast. Deborah Books, Maria Katsanas, and thank you again for stopping by. Give us a listen.
6: Thank you so much for having me, and it's been such a pleasure speaking with you and visiting your really exceptional booth. Yes, exceptional with an X. Exceptional with an X. It's like a double X. Exactly. (gasps)
1: All right, thank you so much, Maria. I'm here live at Asha with John Kim. John, how are you today? I'm doing very well. Thank you so much for having me. So, you're so welcome. You presented earlier today. Are you presenting again, too?
7: Yes, I presented yesterday.
1: Oh, yesterday it was. (laughs) Okay.
7: At five. It was a a technical clinical session.
1: Amazing. Um,
7: It was based on um, the SET framework, S E T T framework. Ooh,
1: I love the SET framework.
7: (laughs) And how to incorporate AAC into the classroom curriculum. So, I am technically a school based um, speech pathologist. who is also AAC and assistive technology specialist as well?
1: You have a lot of hats on. I do.
7: I do <laughs> have a lot of hats on. <laughs> so I do work closely with um, Toby Dynavox, um, Romics with the lamp, and also um, with Celtilla, with Touch Chat, and all those people. Um, I email them on a weekly basis regarding um, regarding my kids that I serve.
1: Yeah. So tell me some gems from your presentation yesterday. Oh, sure.
7: Um, So we are using um, the set framework by uh, by um, Dr. Zavala, Mm -hmm. Um, the student environment, the task and the tool. Right now, they're trying to use the set framework into more of a rehab setting. So instead Mm. of the student, they put it this they restate it as self- Environment, the task, and the tool. I love that. So, um, in order to endorse many SLPs from across settings, I put student and self on there Mm -hmm. saying that we need to focus on the individual, Mm, right? Individual, their current environment of where they're doing, uh, where they're at, where they're learning, where they're growing. And then the task, the daily um, activities um, of daily living along with the classroom classroom tasks. Mm -hmm. And then the tools, what are the tools required to meet the needs of that expectation of that task? So we have created a questionnaire for service providers so classroom teachers myself otpt all those student, all those service providers to identify what kind of task uh, what kind of tool is needed to reach that task what will fill in that gap so it is more like a preliminary presentation that I have um, kind of disseminated a prototype of set of questionnaires Mm -hmm. where they can fill out and saying oh my gosh I don't know this kid's disorder. Oh, I don't know this um, person's issue, um, current medical issue, so probably have to research that more. Or, oh my gosh, I don't know the tools that would be necessary or appropriate for my student or the individual to do activities of daily living or to do a classroom expected task mm-hmm. and so forth. Or, oh my gosh, maybe I have to rearrange my classroom environment or maybe I have to um, advocate for my students and create a ramp for my students and things like that. Um, so it would be a self-guiding tool to make accessible accessibility happen across campus, across um, settings, in their homes, and what, and and so forth. Yeah.
1: So, who who is the the person that's utilizing this questionnaire? Is it speech language pathologists? Is it teachers?
7: So it would be delivered out to the service providers, classroom teachers, SLPs, OTs, PTs. Any anyone who's working with the student. And then with that information, we can definitely utilize that database and have the district provide more um, professional development or we can have the assistive technology team like myself would go out and do more um, trainings on how to utilize that and incorporate AAC into the classroom curriculum, which needs to happen throughout the day, not only during when the speech therapist is here.
1: You are correct, John. <laughs> you are correct. Uh, you're speaking my language now. Yes, yes. So well, let me ask you, this what has been your experience as far as the biggest challenge with the set framework
7: so this project actually started me being frustrated with the classroom teachers certain classroom teachers saying every aac every student's aac should be the same and i said no because it won't be their voice it would be the textbook that's what i said because everything's in the same thing right there's no individualization there's nothing Mm -hmm. i have another teacher saying this is too much work for me I have so many things going on. I got to add this onto my plate. This is too much work. Mm -hmm. Now, I have another teacher saying, I don't believe in AAC.
1: Ooh, I don't know if I like that teacher.
7: (laughs) I don't believe in AAC. You know, they all have their different... They can point. They can, you know, they can come up. They can drag me. I don't... Some teachers who have been in the field for a very long time with their in-depth of experience they think oh AAC mm, no not my vibe yeah and I also have um speech language pathologists who also feel that AAC is not their area of expertise because mm-hmm. it's such a new field and it's coming up. Uh, we do have experienced SLPs who feel incompetent or feel not comfortable with students who are using um, AAC as well. So it would be a good um, indicator and it would be a good guiding se- set of guiding questions mm-hmm. for service providers to identify, oh, maybe I should research what protocol look like. Oh, I should research what PECs look like in order to better support the students. Or if we're working with adults, we have to see what, what an eye gaze look like. We've got to see what a scanning system look like mm-hmm. or a head mouse for that individual to do their activities of daily living.
1: Mm-hmm. And when I want to circle back. You mentioned um, some of the the problems that teachers are explaining to you, which I think is a very common thing. Um, as far as every student having a different device, is there any strategies or tricks or tools that you utilize to help teachers manage multiple devices in one classroom?
7: So I do believe in the power of core vocabulary. So I, (laughs) I'm a strong believer in that. So I would say, you know, why don't we make a classroom core vocabulary board, right? Print it in a poster Uh, poster size, post it up on the wall, right? Mm -hmm. And then that can be your preliminary way to communicate with the students. So go, stop, um, go, stop, I want, all those things, right? Oh no, things like that. And then the teacher can utilize that as one method, and if we have more specific um, fringe vocabulary, like things that the student would really want, uh, things that student would really would like to do, to have access for, that would be in, in their device. And it will be upon our um, assistive technology team to come out and train what those devices would look like. So I have students who are using proloco to go I have students who are using TouchChat, mm-hmm. and then I also have students using LAMP all in one classroom, but I always come out and, and do trainings, do a refresher after a long break, just just like this one. Yes, <laughs> and we come out and be like, okay, do we know where to go? Do we know how to reinforce? And another th- and stuff like that. But I always say, always have a classroom-sized core board that is unified across the c- curriculum. So. so- so teachers can always reference it back to that, mm-hmm. and always have the visual, ske- like classroom size visual schedule, always ready, mm-hmm. ready to go with them. Yes.
1: And sometimes I find that teachers they get really hung up on the symbols. I think mm-hmm. speech therapists sometimes do too, but. What I always explain is listen, we need just a visual representation of language. Mm-hmm. It, it's not going to be perfect, right? right? It's right. like it's always the teachers that are perfectionists that have an issue with the symbols. <laughs> I'm like, listen, we can't do all the things. We just need to do the best that we can. Mm-hmm. And what I'm you know, most concerned about is that we have a visual representation of the language that we're using all day long. Um so if we can do that, that's like half the battle. Exactly.
7: Exactly. Yes. A visual representation. And that visual representation has to be consistent. Mm-hmm. Right. If there is a sign for more and it's different visual for more. And if it's a, uh, if it's another different visual for more, like all around the classroom, the, t- the students are going to be like, what am I looking at? Mm-hmm. And I also say, if we're using the same pictures, use the same pictures around the classroom, across campus, and so forth. Yeah.
1: And then if you have a student that's using a different symbol set, you just, you know, you show the visual support and then you model on the device. Exactly. Right? Like kids will start, if you start pairing the language with meaningful experiences, Mm. children will start learning. Absolutely.
7: I totally agree with you on that.
1: Amazing. So let's see. What's your talk on tomorrow? Um, today. 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 Today at 5. Yes. Today at 3, well, 3.30. No, everything's totally swirling <laughs> in my head, John. I can't keep anything straight. No worries.
7: Um, so today at 3, I'm doing a different presentation, not on AAC, but on bilingual assessments, a Ooh. step-by-step approach. Um, it's going to be an hour seminar. We're, we're going to be talking about various steps on how to make ethical judgments um, during bilingual assessments. And especially, I will wrap it wrap it to students who speak a different language that utilizes AAC. What does that look like? Ah. And so forth. So that would be a conversation.
1: So John, I did my first bilingual AAC assessment the other oh. day. Um, I don't. I had. I don't have a lot of opportunities. Surprisingly, even though I'm in Los Angeles to do right. bilingual assessments, and this one is uh, incredibly important because it's an independent evaluation and it's a very litigious case. Um, but anyway, I did this assessment and I had a bilingual SLP with me. Okay. It was seven and a half hours, <gasps> I assessed this child for AAC. But I have to say, we needed all seven and a half of those hours because what we really needed to figure out was what because I'd say that the student was probably 50-50, some 50% English, 50% Spanish, and Mm -hmm. it depended on individual words. And so what we had to figure out was, oh, we need to put pollo in the device instead of chicken Mm -hmm. because no one ever calls it chicken at home, and that's where she's using, you know, that word more. So it was just like, it was kind of painstaking in a lot of ways, but the end result was beautiful because this is a student who has not, will say, no one can see me right now, but I'm doing air quotes, demonstrated (laughs) that she can use high-tech AAC. Right. Um, And so to have her be successful when we, we utilized, you know, what we know about bilingual assessment. And of course, what I know about AAC, when we merged those two things, it was just a really beautiful thing to see how successful she was.
7: Exactly. And that is again, promoting that communication needs to be accessible and achievable for all.
1: Exactly. Well, John, thank you so much for stopping by. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Of course, you've been a a wonderful resource for the podcast. I'm excited to share, um, and good luck with your, your presentation this evening. Thank you. You are so welcome i'm here with andrea paulson she is a listener of talking with tech and i'm so excited that she stopped by the booth today andrea how are you doing i'm doing great thank you for having me here you are so welcome how has asha been so far
8: asha has been amazing this is like my first time coming i'm an undergraduate student and we're just graduating in um, may of 2020 so it's so exciting to see like how big the profession is and coming to all the exhibits.
1: It's so much fun. It's so fun. It's sometimes a little overwhelming. I remember my first Asha. I was like, my head was spinning, and afterwards I like, face-planted in my bed for like, three days yes we had to go home and take a nap yesterday because it was a little overwhelming exactly there's just so much to do there's so many connections to be made there's so much learning there's so much going into your brain Mm -hmm. Um, but it's amazing what has been your your favorite talk or experience that you've experienced so far so um the
8: um intro with the general session it was so good um it, the I can't remember the presenter's name but like he wanted to make me cry he was talking about how he was a foster student and how you know he came in and how important like people are and I feel like yeah. that's a really big important part of what we do is like making sure that we're there for other people and
1: seeing them and it was just a really really touching story. Well, and sometimes I think we forget our why, right? We get so in the motion and you'll know this once you start working in our field. You know, we're kind of so laser focused on goals and IEPs and all of the targets and it's like we forget sometimes. Oh, wait. Like, this is a, a child or an adult who has a communication disorder, and we are here to help. Um, so I think any time that we can kind of uh, loop back to the inspirational aspects of what we do, and, and I think that's why these conferences are so great, is because, you know, yes, you learn amazing new strategies and research that's going on, but what's really awesome is then when, when you get inspired to go back to your practice and do something different or try something new.
8: Absolutely. No, totally. And it's so cool also we have like some of our classmates are like doing posters presenters and it's just exciting to see where you can be you know, and how, where it can take you and how you can be more part of it. and Absolutely. It, yeah. So, I know you want to give a shout out. Yes. Where do you go to school? I go to school at Middle Tennessee State University. Go Blue Raiders. Love it. Love it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I am tasked to tell people that we have um, a 14th annual Mid-10 Conference. And we're having our keynote speaker is Dr. Rose, sorry Roseberry McKibben. And she's coming to talk about the assessment of English language learners for language differences versus disorders. Ooh. So it's going to be so interesting. And it's on Saturday, February 29th. And we you get six CEUs, six units of CEUs offered. I so love it. Y'all should just come if you have any information. Just um, email nisla at mtsu.edu. Amazing. Yeah, we'd love to have you. I love and see that. People, so yes, please come. Of course. Yes. Uh, well, Andrea, thank you so much for stopping by. Your energy is infectious. Stop. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. I've been a long-time listener, and so it's really fun to be here.
1: I'm here live at Asha with Nicole Trip. Nicole, how are you doing today? I'm great. How are you? I'm so excited that you stopped by our booth. It was so funny everyone who's listening because I wasn't a part of this conversation but I overheard AAC and I was like oh my gosh and they're like you need to talk to Rachel and here it was Nicole Tripp and we had already organized this. So Nicole how was your presentation? It was great.
9: Um, It was uh, one of the 30 minute technical Mm -hmm. clinical. Yeah. um, Which was a change in format from what I had submitted but uh, you know I appreciate different ways of talking to people and sometimes I think a 30 minute quick hit is about all that people can take
1: especially by Friday. It's true. You're so right. Exactly. (laughs) Like we need to remember that people are only absorbing a certain amount of information that's being thrown at their brain. Yeah.
9: And as speech pathologists, I think we're very inclined to fill quiet spaces with a lot of extra words. And so sometimes we say things that aren't necessary, we're like, yeah, I could do this in 30 minutes.
1: It's so true. And you know, actually I was telling you before we went on air, that happened to me last year. And It was great because I actually had to prioritize, right? I'm like, what are the most important things? Correct. And so I think that that practice was actually really beneficial.
9: No, I think it was helpful for me, too.
1: Awesome. So what was the content about
9: of your session? It was about data collection to drive change for school-based AAC service delivery. Um, And so I work in a public education agency and I developed a database when I moved into a new school district last year in order to track data to see who was using AAC, what kind of AAC was being used, how functional was it, how effective was it, did they have AAC evaluations, and I did that first to be able to just help guide myself, but also to be able to talk to administrators and show them how much we needed to do and and promote funding and professional development based on the data that we're seeing.
1: I love that. I love that as a way to I mean, we need, we can, we can go to administrators all day long and say, like, this is what we need. But when you lay out all the data, that's It's when hard people, to turn away exactly, from it. Exactly, that's when people start paying attention. Um, so I just, I love that. Um, if there was one gem of wisdom from your technical session, what do you think it would be?
9: I think it would be when you're going into a system that you're trying to either change services that are already in place for AAC or start AAC services in your district, that you need to look at what's going on and figure out what's working as well as what's not working before you make change based on what you heard someone else does. It's just like evaluating our clients. Evaluate what's going on in your district and build on that.
1: And I also love that you said evaluate what's What's working, right? Because oftentimes we just think like, oh, like here, here's the laundry list of things that are not working, and that's what we hyper focus on. Um, Like any good, you know, model, let's focus on the positive, right? Let's give credit where credits due, and um, not change things that are really working. Exactly. Places
9: because people don't like that when you come, especially if you're coming into a system like I am. There are some things that are working, and if people put those in place and they are working, if you to change them even though they're working, you're not building a teamwork, a, yeah. a relationship, a collaboration with that person because they're they are put off by you because you didn't listen to them and something that was working.
1: Exactly. And are you, so are you school-based or are you, you're school-based? I am
9: school-based. I work in a Spring Branch Independent School District. We have about 42 campuses, wow. 35,000 students, and I do AAC district-wide. That
1: is wild.
9: Which we need more, which is why <laughs> I'm trying to...
1: She's <laughs> plugging it. She needs more help, well, people. Well, it's, I would love
9: to be able to hire someone. I need the administrators to know we need more help, which is part of what this data is about.
1: <laughs> That's a, that was the impetus. It was like, listen, help me. I'm drowning. Hire
9: more people. <laughs> exactly. Give me more money. Well,
1: I can't believe. I mean, what a, a, a jur- you have jurisdiction over a lot of children. It
9: is. It's a lot. Um, but... I've been doing AAC at a district level for a long time, so this is kind of par for the course for someone who's doing AAC. The fact that I'm full-time in doing it when I know a lot of SLPs are out there trying to manage a campus caseload and doing this part-time.
1: I know. You know? Yeah. What are um, some, some strategies that you teach um, either to other clinicians or teachers um, that you think are the, the most helpful? in terms of implementation of AAC, or? Sure, let's go implementation. I know, we, it's like, we could talk about a lot of things, Rachel, let's go implementation. You
9: gotta meet the child where they're interested in, so you've gotta find out what they want to do, and what they don't want to do. I get so many teachers that are like, can you get them to communicate about the need for a restroom, and it's like.
6: <laughs> I know, <laughs> so I, let's, let's I know that too well. That. Um,
9: I think it's really important to have a collaborative model. Um, and that can be hard for a lot of different reasons, but an SLP can't do it alone, and an SLP also shouldn't feel like they're the end-all be-all about AAC, because we have some fantastic teachers and, paraprofessionals and related health providers that have a wealth of AAC knowledge. And we need to be able to pass the reins on to them and not feel like we're the only ones that own it. But we need to work on developing that so that we're providing more effective services for our students.
1: Absolutely. And that is a really important point. There's so many People outside of our speech language pathology that are doing amazing work in AAC. Um, you know, how can we take what they're doing and continue to support them, help guide them? You know, with our expertise. Um, just the more collaboration, the better. But of course, it's like no one has time. People have like egos. There's a lot of things that sometimes there's a lot of things roadblock that. Um, but I think it's just a constant reminder. Having that constant reminder. Um, you know, whenever I have a challenging situation in my own practice, I think. Okay, like what's I take a step back, right, and I think how can I collaborate better? And I think that's the name of the game. How can I, you know, provide more information? How can I support um, in a different way? Because everybody has different things, right? Different styles of interaction and what they, how they learn, and there's so many different variables. But being able to at least have the awareness of, you know, looking at somebody how they might learn or how you know, the interaction maybe didn't go the way you wanted, or how can we make it go the opposite way? And I think it comes down to just, you know, really respecting people and hearing them. Exactly. And listening instead of just coming in and saying, try this, this, and this, um, listening, like what are, what's going on? How can I help? Um, it's my favorite phrase to use when I'm going in a classroom because it might not even be communication related, right? It's like, you know, we don't have, we're don't we understaffed. But at least that gives me information content as to what the struggles are um, with that particular teacher. Exactly. I mean, as an AT person, I can't tell you the number of
9: times when I've gone into a classroom and asked how I could help. It's usually to reset their iPad or help them with their password on their computer. And if that gets them to feel like I'm there to support them, sure. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I'll be your tech support guy. <laughs> exactly.
1: I know it's so true and then it's all about the the rapport building you know you go in you help with something that might not even be you know speech related and then all of a sudden you're start to you're starting to develop a relationship with someone exactly um, and it's not just like I'm coming in and then I'm going to tell you what to do and then I leave which, you know, we all know is not is not best practice. Exactly, yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Nicole, for stopping by. Thank I'm you. I'm so happy to hear about your experience and all, all of your nuggets of wisdom. Um, I really appreciate it.
9: Well, thank you. It was really nice to be able to talk to you and kind of debrief in my own mind how everything went. <laughs> I know.
1: I've, when you're at a crazy conference like this, I feel like it's so much information. And um, I was actually at a business conference a few weeks ago, and they had, um, it was so nice because at the um, beginning of the booklet that they gave us, it was like your takeaways, your top three takeaways. And I'm like, that's so smart, because we can't take, a- take everything away, uh, but we can take those, li- like the things that really meant something to us in that particular session or interaction with someone.
9: That's something we can work with and be actionable. And that's exactly, why I think the 30-minute session was pretty good because I could do that. (laughs) You're changing my
1: mind. I was was upset last year about my 30-minute session, and and you've changed my mind, Nicole. (laughs) (laughs) Good. (laughs) I'm here with Daisy Clay, and... As you guys know, we oftentimes do these small tech episodes. So Daisy was nice enough to talk with us at ASHA, and I wanted her to come back on and talk about Simple AAC, which is a framework that she has created, um, and I think it's super useful. So Daisy, first of all, thank you so much for coming back on.
2: Oh, you're welcome. It's great to be here.
1: So what is Simple AAC?
2: Uh, So, Simple AAC is a framework that I put together because I kept on finding the same problem over and over when a child was being given a system. They had the device, they had the software, they had the vocabulary package and then the people around that child with the system were just terrified of it and they didn't know what to do, they didn't know where to start, they were feeling really overwhelmed and so you know, those people might go to Google and they might look up, you know, AAC and what do I do? And that might not help them either, because although there's loads of really lovely information on the internet, there is so much information. It's really difficult to know where to start with that. And the other thing that I find is a problem is there's loads of terminology that's really scary. If you're a parent, you're a teacher, or even if you're a speech therapist who's new to AAC, you start seeing terms like augmented language input and aided language stimulation, you immediately feel like you don't know what you're doing. Yes. So... Simple AAC is something that I put together to sort of counteract that and make people feel a bit more reassured and try and take the fear out of AAC implementation a little bit and give Mm -hmm. something um, that people can work their way through and build their confidence and just really use the device with the child and get started. Yep. So each letter of Simple AAC stands for a different strategy and it stands for something that anyone can do. You don't have to be a qualified speech therapist. You don't have to wait for the therapist or the specialist to come in each week and work with your child. Simple AAC is for anyone um, working with that child to work their way through. So the first letter of Simple AAC stands for show. S is for show. And yes, that is all about modeling and augmented input and aided language, but it doesn't use any of that terminology. It just talks about how we need to show the user what to do. Um, then I is keeping it interesting. We know it's really, really important that we've got to keep it interesting. Um, And sometimes it can be easy to lose sight of that when we know we have our targets and we want to teach adjectives and we focus Mm -hmm. in on that, but we stop making it interesting for the child. M stands for months and months. Ooh, I'm so intrigued.
1: I have no idea what this means. Tell me more, Daisy.
2: So it's not a specific strategy, but it's really early on um, in Simple AAC because it's really important to remember that it takes months and months and months of modeling and keeping it interesting and using AAC with someone before they might start to actually use it themselves and before you might start to see progress. So it's just a key reminder. Months and months. You need to give that learner months and months, just like we do when we're talking to a child we're expecting to speak back. We don't give up after six months when they're not talking back.
1: It's so true. I always think about, um, I always I always say it's not this like crazy Dateline special where you see your child's locked in and then you give them technology and all of a sudden they're, you know, creating sentences. Um, you know, that's unfortunately not uh, reality. And it's really important to set up that expectation for families. This is going to be, you know, a process. This is a marathon, not a sprint. Um, so I love months and months because it does take months and months to actually start seeing, you know, a child initiating, communicating using a device.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. Um, So P stands for pause, which is a really important reminder that even when we are doing all of that modelling, which is great, we need to pause and give the learner time to respond to what we've said, or even give them time to initiate because we know from research AAC users are much more likely to be responding, not initiating. So we want to try and get that in really, really early and just build in time. And again, when you're uh, going through these strategies with someone, and if it's a class teacher or a teaching assistant, and you're saying, the strategy I want to work on now is just pausing. What I'm asking you to do is actually, I'm asking you to do nothing. Yes. To just count to 10. Well, and especially when we know motivation's high, it's the perfect time to just not do anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're keeping it interesting, we've been modeling, we've been doing it for a long time. Now we pause and we see what happens, mm, mm-hmm. and particularly children with complex access. Um, if they've got complex physical difficulties, it might just, they might just need that time to initiate a movement. And I work with a lot of children who have a long processing time and they might need 30 seconds mm-hmm. to think about what they're going to say, think about where that word is in their system, coordinate their movement for their access method. So yeah, pause, just pause. Love it, love it. L, what's L? L is for language. So language is a reminder to think about all of the different reasons why we use language and make sure when we're modeling that we're modeling language for different reasons and we're not just getting stuck on requesting. Thank God. Thank God you said it, Daisy. (laughs) I say it all the time on this podcast. It can so easily happen. So um, I just try and get people to think about what reasons they communicate for. So asking questions, answering questions, telling a story, saying what they did at the weekend, all of these really, really rich language um, communication functions. So just reminding them to make sure that they're modeling those as well, not just asking questions. And uh, uh, exactly. Getting getting them to request. <laughs> Love it. Okay, E. E is for explore. Ooh, I like this one. Again, that's just a strategy about giving the learner time to explore their system and saying giving them reassurance that it's okay to just explore the device. So that learner might just be selecting different buttons and hearing what they say, but That's okay. An anecdote I quite like to share is um, my best friend, she knows what I do for a living, but when I was making Supercore um, and designing that system, I was trying to explain to her what I'd been working on. So I showed her the Supercore vocabulary. And this is my friend who is literate. I'd explained what I do. She knows about AAC from my work. First thing that she did when I showed it to her was she pressed all of the buttons to see what they said, even though every single symbol had a written label, she can read. The first thing that my adult friend did was to explore the system Yes. because she wanted to learn like, what it was going to do. And so it's so important to just make sure that learners have that opportunity to explore and that it's not necessarily seen as a negative thing of, oh, they're just playing with the device. Well, actually, no, they're learning. They're learning that device. And they're hearing what all of those words say. And exploration is a really, really important part of AAC learning.
1: Well, and it's important to remember that that's how all children learn language that's what babbling is, you know? It's an exploration of speech sounds. And so you're exactly right. We can't expect a child when we put a device in front of them to just all of a sudden be, you know, incredibly accurate with all of the buttons that they're activating. Um, it's also important to remember that a lot of the children that we're working with are not yet literate. So I always, when I'm doing presentations, I, um, I show a slide. I show a slide with everything and then I take the labels off. Yeah,
2: absolutely. That's part of it, yeah. And people are like,
1: oh my gosh, I don't, that's great. I'm like, this is what our learners see. Um, so of course, if and it, if that was all I saw, I would have to hit the buttons and explore and keep hitting the buttons to remember where they were. So it's just such an important reminder.
2: Yeah, and with a high tech AAC system as well, some of the exploration is gonna be around navigating between different pages and learning how that works and learning about the functions, things like yep. clearing your message window. They have to learn all of that as well. So exploration is really important and a really key strategy. So, a for AAC the next one is A and that it stands for always available so always keeping the system available. And it doesn't necessarily need to be the high-tech system, it could be low-tech system, it could be a commu- simple communication board, just making sure that something is always available to that learner. And you know, if they don't have it, they can't learn it, they can't use it, they can't communicate. Right. It seems really simple, but that can be a really nice strategy to focus on in a classroom, just saying to the teacher, okay, the strategy we're working on for the next two weeks is just always available making sure the system's always available. That's all I'm asking you to do, make sure it's out and that student has access to it. Love it. The next A? Yes. I knew I was gonna forget one. (laughs) I'm like, tell me more. (laughs) Oh yeah, okay, got it. So the next A stands for add words. And this isn't about adding words into the system because hopefully you've chosen a core vocabulary system or a comprehensive robust AAC system that has most of the words in. And you will do some personalization, but add words in simple AAC is about adding words onto what that AAC learner is saying. So if they're saying a single word, you're adding a word on and you're building and expanding what they've said. So they say bubbles, you can say blow bubbles, more bubbles, bubbles up, and you're modeling all of the different ways that they can expand from that single word utterance to a two word phrase. Love it, always staying one step ahead. Absolutely, absolutely. And then the final part of simple AAC stands for commenting. So that again is a reminder that we need to use lots of commenting and not get so stuck on asking questions, even though it can be really, really tempting, particularly if an AAC learner's got a new system and uh, we want to kind of find out what they know and can they find different words, it can be really, really tempting to get stuck on asking questions. But commenting is going to give them way, way more, Way more something. Space? (laughs) I was thinking space to like actually initiate and communicate. Yeah, yeah. Commenting is going to give them a lot more space to uh, just communicate a bit more freely. As soon as we ask a question, we're placing a demand on that learner to follow what we want to talk about and to respond to us. And if they don't know the answer to that question, we're not helping their confidence to build. So if we make a comment, we give them space to then respond, to say what they want, or we give them space to not respond. Exactly.
1: I love that. And it's so important because oftentimes not only are we asking questions, but we're giving demands as far as directives. Find bubbles.
2: Show me bubbles. Touch bubbles. And what if the child doesn't want to say bubbles, actually? They they want to say stop. They exactly. want to do something different. Exactly. Yeah. And by, by commenting as well, it's, it's kind of taking us right back to the beginning of Simple AAC because commenting is another way that we can be modeling language and modeling language and communication for different reasons. So So it's... Love this. It's really important.
1: I love this. And it's so great because it can be utilized with any AAC system across the board. These are just really helpful strategies. And I love that you've simplified the process because it is overwhelming, especially for teachers and parents who have never had interaction with AAC. Um,
2: So thank you so much, Daisy, for all of this amazing work. Yeah. And if you want to find any simple AAC resources, you can just Google simple AAC. um, And that will take you to the Smartbox webpage. And you can download loads of free resources. We've got flyers, posters you can print out, stick on the wall with all the strategies, booklets, there's webinars, there's loads of resources that you can get for free.
1: Love it. Thank you so much, Daisy, for, for coming back on and talking all about Simple AAC. You're welcome. Really nice to talk to you, Rachel. Of course. So for Talking With Tech, I'm Rachel Meadle, joined with Daisy Clay. Thank you guys so much for listening and we will talk to you guys next week. Hi, I'm Mei-Ling Chan,
0: and I'm Martin Sibley,
1: and we are the hosts of the Exceptional Leaders Podcast, where we spotlight high profile topics and amazing people who are changing the world view on disability.
0: Even though we are oceans apart, we are bringing people from all over the world together to discuss inclusion, advocacy, accessibility, and real life journeys.
1: So listen to the Exceptional Leaders Podcast to hear the voices and stories from amazing changemakers and be inspired to make a real difference in
6: the world. You're listening to The Exceptional Podcast Network.